Well, good morning. So I'm glad to be here with you once again as we today we're turning the corner and we're looking at the, the second thief that wants to rob you of your joy in Christ. If you missed last week, you can go back, catch up online. But today we're talking all about worrying and what ifs. Any of you ever worried before? Just four or five of us, okay. So this is for you guys. So for me, I have a lot of experience with worrying, anxiety, and fear. I was plagued with it growing up. And it led to a very, I mean, very unproductive, unhealthy life. I remember when I was really young, I wanted to play soccer. I wanted to get out there and try something new. But as, as time came close to that, I was so scared. I, I was so nervous. And rather than kind of pushing forward, I ended up just pulling back and saying, you know what? I don't want to do it. I had all sorts of excuses on why. Growing up, I never wanted to go swimming with other people, never wanted to go to the beach because I was overweight, I didn't want to be the only guy with the shirt on, right? It was embarrassing. I was so worried and scared of what everybody else would think. I never rode roller coasters. I would never go out and do the things with my friends or what other people did. Or if I did go, I was the purse guy. And have you ever been that? Yeah, I was the purse guy. I was so scared and I was terrified of doing those things. I mean, Fear and worry and anxiety stopped me from doing so many things when I was younger. I was always worried about the what ifs and what might be's in life. And this led to a place that in my teens, I thought I was going to die. I had made some bad choices and with circumstances in my life, I knew for an absolute fact that I would die very young. And as with most teenagers, I told absolutely no one. And I kept it all to myself. I just knew I would die. And no matter how silly that might sound to you, if you've ever experienced fear, anxiety, and worry, you know how so real it feels to you. And so I let it run my life. It, it led me to this place where I never planned anything, never thought about everything. I said, well, what's the point in school? I'm going to die anyways. What's the point of a career? I'm not going to make it anyways. Who cares about the future? I'm just going to die. Why try anything at all? And I never wanted to face it. I, I never wanted to go find out because if I found out, then it would be True. So I just lived as if it was true and punished myself because the truth is, the worst part of it all, I believed I deserved it. I thought God was punishing me. I mean, I knew of God's love. I heard of God's grace, but I surely didn't think it applied to my situation because I was a sinner. Sure, I was saved, but I was a nobody and deserved nothing. I lived a life controlled by worry, fear, the what ifs and what might be. 
It led me to a terrible place. It led me, from my experience, to paralysis, to hopelessness, to despair, and feeling like nothing mattered at all because nothing was going to come of anything. And I just felt so hopeless. See, worry and anxiety, I know, can be so overwhelming that it can shut you down. It can give you such a negative outlook on life, such a fearful place to be. And out of everything else teenagers and young people have to deal with, I imagine I'm not the only one who's had to deal or struggle through those things. I bet all of us have experienced worry to some level or anxiety, always thinking about the what ifs and the what might be's. For some of you, you may just live your life in a constant state of worriness. Always thinking the worst is going to happen. Always believing the negative thoughts. Always thinking, well, this has to be true. And you're just stalled or anxiety, just overwhelmed, never knowing what to do. Some of you constantly, you're so afraid of what others think and you worry about how they perceive you. You'll never go out and try to do anything. You believe you're not good enough. And you've seen that throughout your life. Maybe you're too afraid, you're worried that you're going to fail. And the best thing to do if you're going to fail at something is to not do anything at all, right? To not try anything new because then you can't fail. So just do nothing. Some of you are so worried about health concerns to the point of doctor visits and staying alive. You just want to live that you're not actually living just consumed with health rather than living your life. And maybe some of you don't even realize you're a warrior. That's what you grew up with. That's what you saw displayed. And you think it's just natural to always be overwhelmed and anxious and worried and fretting and frustrated over everything that everybody around you is like, man, give me a break, relax, like chill. Because your anxiety starts to stress others out and maybe for some of you you're so sophisticated your language is far above worrying you have other ways and other things you do but if you're worried about the what ifs if you're worried about the what might perhaps you could be experiencing worrying and listen I don't know where you are but I know where I was and I know for an absolute fact that God does not want you to live a life of worrying and anxiety. You see, Jesus, Jesus is what changed my life. And I know that's the preacher thing to say, isn't it? But this was before I became a preacher, Jesus changed my life. And what we're going to look at today can perhaps maybe be the most important thing you've ever learned about in the Bible. Perhaps the most important thing you've ever read because Jesus has some important things to say about worrying. He teaches us about it and he explains, here's the big deal. Jesus explains why, why we worry. And we're not only going to find the root cause of worrying, we're going to find how to kind of work through that and get on the other side of worry. So we can overcome this paralyzing emotion because that's where it will lead. I can tell you, here's what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food 
in your body more than clothing. This is a continuation from last week and the assumption Jesus has here is that you and me, we have given our life to God. We're choosing to follow him and he's the most important thing in our life. And Jesus says, look, if you've given your life to God, if he's your master, then then don't worry. You don't have to. You don't fret. Don't be controlled by those emotions that creep up. Don't get all worked up about things. And Jesus isn't, of course, saying be lazy, be indifferent, just sit back and let life come to you. His point is you don't have to worry about the physical things, the physical necessities of life. And why this needs to challenge you and me is because 2,000 years ago, this is what they're worried about. They're worried about how am I going to feed my kids? Where's my next meal coming from? Is the well going to dry up? They don't have refrigerators. They don't have running water. They don't have any of this stuff. And so he says, you don't need to worry about the day-to-day things, let alone, church, the luxuries of life, which is anything above food, water, and clothes. He says, you don't need to worry about that. And, And it makes me think, like, what would a first century person say to us today? They're worried about how am I going to feed my kids today? I don't have food. We're worried about far more. How many of you thought about food? Well, excuse me, not thought about food when you woke up. I know the answer to that. (laughs) How many of you wondered if you're going to have any food when you woke up? You see, to us today, we live better. Each one of you, if you are here today, right now, you live better than the kings did back then. You have running water and you have air conditioning. You are living greater than a king. And they would look at us and we would look at them and they'd be like, man, you guys must not worry at all. You have everything. We'd be like, no, my doctor helps me with that. Still worried. Evidently, 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 more doesn't mean less worries. Evidently, accumulating more and having more and getting more and all the stuff we chase after, evidently it doesn't alleviate the worrying and the fears and the anxiety. But Jesus is saying, look, you're more than this stuff. Like you're more than food. You're more than clothing. If God has given you life, if God has given you a body, surely he's going to provide everything that you need. Won't he take care of you? He continues 26. He says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? He he points us to nature, of course, and says, look, God takes care of the birds. He takes care of the animal. Look at everything he manages. And, And clearly, birds work for their food. They go out hunting. Remember, we saw last week that Jesus says, hey, you don't need a store up here. You don't need to hoard treasures. You can be generous. God's gonna take care of you. And now he's pointing to the birds like, look, they don't have any of that stuff. They don't have bank accounts. They don't have 401ks. They don't have, they have nothing. And yet God takes care of them. And you are more valuable than a bird. You see, birds can't call God their heavenly father. And through Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. 
Like he has given us and has redeemed our life to give us plans and purposes to accomplish for him, which means he cares for you. He loves you. And he's going to provide everything you need, not want, everything you need to accomplish what he has called you to. Not necessarily what you want to do, but he's going to provide everything you need for what he has called you to. And Jesus is teaching us this dependence upon God. Remember when Alan taught about the Lord's prayer, dependence upon God, coming to him for our needs is what he seeks from you and from me. So the question is, did you know and do you believe that you were valuable and you were loved? Did you know you were God's child and he has a plan and a purpose for your life? Well, he does. And he asked the fun question. Can you, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? All that worrying and all that anxiety, what does it add to your life? What does it accomplish? What does it change? Nothing. In fact, we know worry and anxiety shortens our life, causes health problems. Jesus says, everything you're doing, you're getting caught up and you're not going to change anything. Verse 28, and he says, and why do you worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderful about the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. See, unlike the birds, the wildflowers, they don't do nothing. They just sit. That's it. They don't go hunting. They just sit. And yet God still provides. The same idea applies. And here's how he gets to the root of it. Here's the thing he's building up to for you and for me. The question is this. Why? Why do you have so little faith? The root of anxiety, the root of worrying, is unbelief. That's really what's going on. That's the core issue we need to deal with when you are controlled by fear. It's a lack of faith. And this is absolutely gut-wrenching, and it needs to be for you and me because he's asking people who are struggling getting by daily, who don't have enough water, who don't have enough food, he's asking them about their faith. What about us? who have closet fulls of clothes, plenty of water, plenty of food. Either way, it's the same. Our worrying exposes a lack of faith and trust. We're not believing in something. You see, when I was plagued by worrying and I was plagued by fear, I believed Jesus died for my sins. I I believed I was saved, but I didn't really believe he was gracious. I really didn't believe that he loved me or could redeem my situation. I didn't believe that God cares about the little details in my life. If I'm honest, that's the thing I struggle with the most as a Christian is that believing the creator God of the cosmos would actually care about me and my situation. Like that's difficult to grasp, isn't it? That he actually cares. But worrying and anxiety, listen, always and always leaves God out. Because God is not worried about the future. He doesn't need to be. He's already got it. 
And so anytime you have anxiety, anytime you have worrying, anytime you're plagued by that fear and those emotions, you're leaving God out of the equation. You're assuming that he's not gonna show up. You're assuming that he doesn't care and that he's not gonna guide you. Which means there's a truth of the gospel that you and I, we need to revisit when we're in that ser- the, the, those worry and anxiety. There's something we're not believing about God or maybe we find out we don't really believe him at all. And that's the problem. Because he says this, he says, so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of the, say it with me, right. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. And so the interesting part is that Jesus says, well, for an unbeliever, someone who doesn't believe in God, someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, someone doesn't believe in this personal God who cares about you. Well, of course they worry. Why wouldn't they worry? He says, so it's normal. If you're an unbeliever, of course you're going to have a natural state of worrying. You're going to be anxious because this world is crazy. But he's saying for believers, you don't need to worry about those things. If you believe in a personal God who loves you and cares for you and who's guiding for you, if you've been empowered with his spirit and you've understood the cross that he gave up his life to save you and redeem you and you're precious and you're valuable, like if if you've worked through those things, if you're a believer, then you you don't need to worry about that other stuff. God's got you. And for me, when I think back to my life, I realize my, my greatest struggle growing up is that I was a believer living as an unbeliever. You ever been there? I believe Jesus died for my sins, but I want to do everything that the world does. I want to live a life of sin and I want God to be okay with it. And what I found out is God will never give you peace in a life of sin. He won't do it. Because that's what you're missing if you're worrying, if you're anxious, you're missing peace. You're missing trusting God. And and for me, I was in sin and I wanted sin and I wanted God to be okay with it. And guess what? He wasn't. And a lot of the worry and anxiety and all that stuff that was going on, that was God going, you done? Like, not yet. I'm still good. He's like, you're obviously not. How you feeling? What's going on? You're not going to find comfort in Christ as you rebel against him. It will not happen. A lot of times that stuff building up is Christ calling us to himself. He's saying, come on. Come home. I got, like, stop that. It's not going to fix it. It's not going to help. It's not going to do what you think. It's empty. Stop. And he's saying, come home. Because he says this, seek Seek the kingdom of God above all else, above everything. He says above everything. Seek the rule and reign of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you, give you everything you need. Rather than prioritizing the things that we prioritize, the things of this world, whatever that might be for you, he's like, no, no, replace that. It's not that those like eating isn't important. It's not like Water is not important. He's saying if you seek the priorities of God, if you seek his will and reign and and his purposes for your life, if you seek what he has, he's going to go ahead and give you everything you need. You mean give me? Yeah. For how much? He's going to give it to you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to supply all of your needs for all the things you need to take care of what he wants you to take care of. Charles Stanley, the late Charles Stanley says it like this. He says, God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. 
And, and, and you got to love that, that God assumes responsibility. He's like, okay, if you're following after me, it's now my responsibility to take care of you. Like, you mean I don't got to look out for myself? No. God's like, I got you. Like, mm, but I don't know if I trust you. He's like, all right, let's work on that. But God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. God's going to take care of us. Again, this doesn't mean we sit back lazy, passively on the couch, play video games and think somehow that job's going to land on our lap. But this means as we're seeking him, as we're living for him, he's going to provide all that we need. And today, perhaps the greatest worrying that many of you have and, and that parents have especially is FOMO. Right, fear of missing out, not only perhaps in your life, but definitely your kids. And I see it all the time. Parents are overstressed, over busy, have 110,000 things planned for their kids because if not, they might miss out. They might not have that opportunity. That one thing that they don't go to or that one thing that you don't go to, I mean, that could be the thing that stops them from getting that job or getting into that school or having that career or knowing the right person. And I would say that is very doubtful because when I see the scriptures, I see a God who is very capable of coming through and it seems like to me that he can plan his purposes and his will and it comes to fruition every single time. My favorite story is that of David. Remember David, he was the youngest and smallest of a family of brothers. And when this special event was happening where the prophet was coming to David's home, his father Jesse, he told him to gather up all your sons. We're going to anoint the new king. This is going to be an exciting time. Where's David? In the fields, watching the sheep. We know they had other people who could have did that, but they're like, look, David doesn't even need to be here. He needs to be out there. He's not that special anyways. And so David wasn't going to experience this impactful time of this prophet, which is a pretty special event, coming to your house, anointing a new king, which is a pretty important deal. Like David's going to miss out on all of that. But there was nothing was going to happen outside of God's will. You see, God won't let something happen without you. That's for you. Do you remember all the brothers went before uh, Sam and he's like, nope, nope, nope. He's like, hey, you got another? He's like, well, David, he's out in the field. He's like, all right, let's pause this whole thing. Let's pause this whole thing till David gets here. Gets here. See, folks, we can't miss out on God's blessing for life. It's not going to happen. You, you can't do that. Like if God has something for you, it is for you. We also see that while his brothers, although he's been anointed as the next king, which is what happened, his brothers go off to war. And I guess his family still didn't believe David was anything. Maybe he was too young. Although he's been anointed to be the next king, surely he could go see the, the war and go get experience of what this looks like. His dad was like, mm -mm, you guys stay home. Your brothers can go. You're my baby boy. You can't go anywhere. Just stay home with dad. Like, I'll take care of you. And I think David was driving his father absolutely crazy. Like, dad, I got to be there. I got to see this. He's like, fine. Fine, go take some grilled cheese supplies to the commanders and to your brothers. Remember, he said, go take cheese and take bread. I, I think they were making grilled cheeses. He said, go take these to your brothers and then come back home and report. Like, that's all you can do. And so David goes. And you think, well, David must be missing out. Maybe something's going on without him. But listen, folks, it doesn't even get started until he shows up. 
Everybody else who was there before missed out. When David show up, he's the one who stood up and he's the one who fought Goliath. And the rest is history. And my point is simply this. You're not going to miss out on what God has for you. You don't have to be over busy. You don't have to be overstressed. Your kids will be all right. Listen, they'll be all right. Seek first the kingdom. Because what I see is y'all are so busy and so overbooked that you're ended up pulling your kids out of the things that are actually important. Faith, community, friendships. We're saying, well, we'll go to that when we have time. This other stuff's more important. Not according to Jesus. According to Jesus, this is the priority. You see, God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. And if God can take the youngest brother that no one else believed in and turn him into the greatest warrior, the greatest king of a nation, I am very confident that he can take you to where you need to be. I'm very confident he can take your kids to where they need to be. I'm very confident he can provide that career. He can provide that schooling. He can sell your house. He can get you that new job. You can get that promotion. I'm very confident that when you seek him first, he'll take care of your needs. Why? Because he tells us he will. He promises this. It's seeking his kingdom first. He says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You see, God's not going to give you strength for tomorrow today. God's going to give you enough strength for today, today. It's one day at a time. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to worry. He's already got that plan. Like, how many times have you worried and then it's not even come to fruition? Experts say 90% of the stuff you worry about never even happened. Like, we're just getting ourselves worked up. And God's like, hey, I got this. I'll take care of it. God will give you the strength and resolve to tackle what's in front of you. You don't need to fret and worry about the next Day when your life is devoted to his mission and his purpose, and I imagine that's the problem. We're not actually seeking his will. We have our own plans. We're not actually seeking his purpose. We have our own. To which Jesus says, no. If you're chasing after me, I'm going to chase after you. Like, like, come follow me and I'll take care of this for you. Because what we can never plan for, and this is very important, you can never plan for God to show up. He's going to do what he's going to do. It's when you step out on faith, you get to experience him coming through like you've never seen before. You can't plan for a miracle, folks. That's why they're called miracles. You can't plan for that. So God just says one day at a time. And worrying is simply misguided fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what might happen. And psychologists tell us when we get that anxiety, that worry, that fear, we have one of two responses, the fight or flight. We're either going to stand up and fight or we're going to be paralyzed or run away, whatever that looks like. And I've seen and I've experienced what paralyzation leads to. Being so afraid, so worried, so anxious that I do nothing, try nothing, experience nothing. I just put a pause on life. Also experience when you try to fight against things you shouldn't fight against. Y'all ever done that before? That doesn't work out so well either. But these are the two emotions. But luckily for us, Jesus gives us other F words. 
not just fight or flight. Jesus says, well, I hear what they're saying, but let's, let's put faith into this. Let's put, he says this, he says, you can have faith and follow. Like when you're worried, when you're fearful, when you're anxious, instead of fight or flight, you can have faith and follow. Whole different set of circumstances. He can call you and say, let's, let's do this together. He wants to guide you, folks. This is God. He wants to strengthen you. He loves you. See, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor who knew something about living by faith. He was a pastor who stood up during the Nazi movement and it, and it cost him his life. You're talking about a man who had to stand up in the face of evil. This was him. And he suggests there are two propositions when it comes to faith. And I absolutely love these. You should write these down. I think it's very impactful and helped me think through a lot of this. He says the double propositions for faith are only those who believe obey. Here it is. Here it is. He says only those who believe obey and only those who obey believe. And I find it interesting because he's saying, okay, if you believe you're going to follow Christ, but then all of us, every single one of us are going to a point where we're like, hmm. I don't know if I believe anymore. It's a little rough. It's a little much. Like, I don't know. I've come to the end of my faith. I, I'm, I'm like at the end. What do I do now? And he's like, okay, when you come to the end of that, go ahead and obey. And, and when you obey, you'll find you'll start believing more. And, and so we need both. We need the beliefs will take us this far. And then when we come to the end of that, then we need to obey and it'll take us this far. And it's kind of like this. You can laugh at this all you want. I try my best to give you a visual illustration, Okay. Next slide. Here's what it looks like. Okay, so we're on the faith path. All right, that's you. You're the car. When we come to the end of our faith, which we are all experienced, we'll come to this road. We're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. This is going to be rough. This is going to be hard. I'm scared. I'm worried. What do I do? We have obedience path, right? We make this turn. Obedience path. Next slide. And when we go down the obedience road, we'll find stronger faith. We're like, I didn't really have the faith and I follow God and then he encourages my faith. It's like, wow, this thing's growing. My faith's maturing. I'm finding out that God shows up all the time. Like, this is pretty cool. Which leads you to try the next thing a little bit easier and a little bit quicker and then your faith builds and your faith builds and your faith builds. Or we have the worry slot. And this is some of your lives. Let's just be honest. We go down the worry path instead of the obedience and then we're stuck in the what ifs and fear. And we're just doing figure eights with our life. And where does this end? It's a dead end. It takes you nowhere. We'll accomplish nothing. But just worrying, 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 worrying. And the problem with this is once we get on this thing, we got to jump off. Next slide. We got to jump off the road, come all the way back to where we were before and start again. There's no what ifs and what mights and fears. When we're caught in this circle, we got to jump off this path, go back to the path of obedience and jump down on there with stronger faith. Because what we will believe influence what we do. And many of you, why you're worrying, why you're caught up in fears, because you're not taking that step of obedience. You're not following Christ with that next thing he asked you to. And he's just calling you saying, hey, have faith and follow. Because God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. He says, I got this. And so when I was 20, I had come to this Jesus moment, this, this pivotal thing in my life, and I don't know how to explain it to you, but it was him speaking. I was cutting the grass. It's 
probably the most audible I heard God, though it wasn't audible. I don't know how to explain it. But it was this, hey, are you going to continue down the path you're on? And I'm like, I think the grass path looks pretty good, Jesus. I just went back, you know, going up and down the road. He's like, it's not what I'm talking about. Are you going to continue this path you're on or are you going to follow me? I cannot explain how I felt, but it was this monumental decision, this make or break type of thing. And I knew that I was controlled by worrying. I knew I was controlled by fear. I knew I wasn't willing to do anything because I was so scared. And he said, are you going to follow me or are you going to continue down this path? I said, all right. Well, I'll follow Jesus. I had no idea what that meant. No idea what that looked like, but I knew I had to change a ton of stuff. I had to get out of this life of sin I was living in. I had to move from sinful relationships to sinful friendships and move back in with my mommy. Do you know how fun that is to move back in with your mommy? It is not very fun. I had to just move back in with mom. I had to actually go to the doctors to get health reports to alleviate all those concerns. And I say, like, it sounds like, oh, it's just the sentence, those are things. Those weren't easy. Those were extremely difficult. It took everything I had. It was step by step by step. But the, although I had to make so many changes, the most important thing was my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what changed everything. Paul tells us this, Romans 12 too. He says, don't copy the behaviors and custom of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. How? How is he going to transform a new person? He said, easy. By changing the way you think. How you think. I was so negative. I was so scared. I was so worried. I was so full of anxiety. All the what ifs and what mights. My my thoughts were plagued by fear. He says, but when you allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. He said, then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. You see, I was thinking like this world. I hadn't let what Jesus saved truly affect my life. And so I had to get into his word. I had to start reading my Bible. I had to start taking my faith serious and start putting into practice the thing he says. Which have you read the stuff he says? We're going through it now. It's not easy. So it was step by step obedience after obedience. And what I found is like every step forward I took, I would find him coming through. Then I would take another step and then he would come through. And then another step and then another step and then another step. And the next thing you know, I'm like, wow, you know what? You can trust God. How about that? I was like, it's pretty cool. So when he started going, hey, I want you to go to school. I'm like, What do I do? So I went to school. Like it was just step by step. And Jesus promises, here's what's so amazing. Jesus promises to give you peace. If you don't have peace, could it be? Could it be you're living a life against him? Could it be you're ignoring him? And you struggle and you worry and you're frustrated and you've got all this going on and Jesus is simply saying to you today just just trust me I love you I'm for you but every decision I made was so difficult and I can tell you now about 20 years into this thing I rarely worry I rarely worry because he's brought me this far I'm not worried about it. If he's done this much in my life, 
He's not going to leave me now. I mean, Jesus changed my life just like he promises he will. And I have found that my faith is generally, almost overwhelmingly, my fears are always diminished by my faith in God because he promises to give you the strength you need. You just have to trust. Because following Jesus will make you better at life and following Jesus will make your life better. And for me to accomplish the things I've accomplished, I mean, I don't say this braggingly, but I was a punk, messed up kid. I was terrible. And for God to take me, a fatherless kid, I didn't have a dad growing up, controlled by worry and fear, got suspended every single year in school, and I'm not going to tell you why. I graduated high school with a 1.52 GPA. I mean, if he can take me and turn me into a present father, an army veteran, I mean, the guy who was so scared to death went to war, you figure that one out? Who's a pastor with a doctorate degree? I mean, that makes no sense. If he could do that with me, can't imagine what he can do with you. It just comes from obedience. It comes from trust. It comes from faith. And he says, you don't need to worry. I got you. Like, I'll take care of it. Because God assumes full responsibility for our needs when we obey him. If you put his kingdom first, you do not have to worry. You're not going to miss out. And so the question for you is, what step do you need to take? Where's that obedience step? Where's your worrying and fear and anxiety coming from? And could it be? Could it be it's him? Not giving you peace because he wants you to come back. He wants you to follow after him. Because worrying always leaves out God. He doesn't need to be worried. And he's not going to cause you to be either. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and grace. We thank you so much for being a God who doesn't give up on us. Thank you so much that although we don't do the right things at the right times, we know that you can redeem all situations. We're so thankful that none of us are past redemption. None of us are past you moving and doing a good work in our lives for your plans and purposes. Lord, there's so much information out there today. There's so many things that consume our minds that cause us to worry and get anxious and be so fearful. Lord, we pray and I pray that we will lean and trust in you. Lord, we trust that you got the election figured out. We trust that you got our finances figured out. We trust you got these viruses figured out. And we don't need to be you. We don't have to have the answers. We don't need to figure it all out. We simply have enough strength for today. So God, help us be present today. Help us be present in the lives of the people we love. Help us be present in our kids and our relationships and our neighbors. Lord, help us be the people who are present. Not consumed by the what ifs and the what mights. But help us be your hands and feet to everybody around us. And Lord, help us listen in obedience. Some of us are at the end of our faith. We don't know what to do. We've come to the end of a place and we're just scared, Lord. Show us what a path of obedience looks like. 
Show us what it looks like to step forward in faith, knowing that it might not be perfect, it might not be what we want, but we trust that you have it under control, that we ask for that today. Give us guidance, let your spirit illuminate that path. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray.